0: welcome back to the missing persons research hub podcast on today's episode we have justine justine is a phd student in criminology at the school of criminology at the university of montreal quebec canada she received her bsc and msc in criminology from the university of laval in quebec city Justine's thesis is on missing persons. She specializes in arson, criminal behavior, latent class analysis, spatial analysis, environmental criminology, sexual offending, persistence of sexual behavior, wrongful convictions, criminal decisions, police strategies and impacts, and aboriginals penal path. Her master's thesis aimed to identify non-serial and serial arsonists crime scene and motivations in collaboration with local and provincial police forces. Most of the research projects that she has worked on aimed at developing better investigative practices and crime prevention. Her research topic has been published in peer-reviewed journals in her field and has been the subject of many local, national and international presentations. She is currently writing papers on missing persons, sexual offending, arsonists and wrongful convictions. Okay, so we're back with the Missing Persons Research Hub podcast with Justine. Justine, thanks for joining us today. Um, and I guess just to get started, could you tell us a little bit about your experiences in the field of missing persons?
1: Yeah, sure. Thanks uh, for inviting me to Lorna. Um Well, I'm currently a PhD student in Criminology at Université de Montréal. I'm currently in my third year of doctoral studies. My dissertation is focusing on missing persons, spatial analysis and risk assessment. In fact, I'm really starting on this project as my dissertation. The first two years of my PhD, I was studying in all other subjects and I wasn't really able to focus on it as much as I'm focusing on the missing persons project that I'm working on. So I figured out, you know, I may just as well change subject. So I'm really doing my kind of first year on PG on that subject. Um, my involvement in missing person um, research began during my master's degree with Dr. Nadine Delorier-Varain. She wanted to start a project on this subject. And while I won't go into details and modifications, but initially, the project was taking a different turn and finally we came to collect newspaper clippings through online news. Um, This project which um, from which other small research projects are derived aims to extend the current limited knowledge on missing persons while examining spatial patterns and characteristics associated with investigations um, involving missing persons. So that's pretty much how my story started in this topic
0: wow so why did you switch was it that you had a really strong interest in missing persons or was it nadine that brought you into it like why did you change from your old topic
1: (laughs) no um well i'm really just passionate about it and i think it's really important um, to get involved in this field, and that's why I wanted to pursue my dissertation on that subject. I think that, um, well, I'm sure you know this, research in the field of missing persons in Canada is little studied and unfounded. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's why it's really important to have people uh, who want to conduct these studies and who are especially passionate about it. And while I'm passionate about it, and I would like to get involved in so many ways, so um that's why well i decided to just change subject and i wasn't like according as much time as i shouldn't have (laughs) i should have on the other subjects so i really changed for missing persons yeah no i love that
0: that's the same for me like i got involved in missing persons work for that passionate reason as well so it's great to hear that you're a passionate person as well um okay so you're talking a lot about the spatial analysis component of missing persons research could you tell us what that means, what is a spatial analysis, and how that can help missing persons research
1: them? Well, it's really more of a turn angle of what I'm studying the spatial analysis. Um, I've kind of dug into it, uh, I dug into it, sorry, a little bit um, the past month. Um, but like studying missing persons from the point of view of spatial analysis would be really um, to look at particularities according to the different types of disappearance. And you know, crime mapping is an excellent tool still it is necessary to use this tool correctly in order to explain a phenomenon, which is missing persons in this case. Mm -hmm. And there is more than just one analysis to do here, but I'm for example, locating um, the place from where the person went missing along with the location from where the person was found. That way it is possible to indicate if there is a higher frequency of missing person being reported in a specific area or Are they found in a specific area, too, um, according to the type of disappearance? And that way it would be possible to establish broad guidelines such that, um, for example, individuals who disappear on foot have um, I'm saying a random number, but like 20 percent chance of committing suicide and being found um, four kilometers from their place of residence also in doing so, in doing those analysis, we also have to consider the characteristics of the environment, you know,
0: mm-hmm. like,
1: um- the research guidelines for missing persons cannot be the same if the person is missing from a city, missing from a metropolitan area, from the suburb, for example. So this is where spatial analysis takes on its importance. We must consider the characteristics of the environment, such as the socioeconomic level area. Are there areas at greater risk where there is more crime committed, for example. So that's pretty much where I'm at on that angle, Mm -hmm. Um, but we can expect it to progress quickly since I'm my third year of PhD. (laughs) Yeah, you don't (laughs) really have a
0: choice, right? You got a couple of years. (laughs) Yeah,
1: I don't have any choice. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) So then are you more interested in the city um, spatial analysis component
1: or is it rural? Like, where are you at with that in terms of regions? We're really just collecting all data, so I'm either interested in uh, rural, urban, also non-criminal disappearance. It's true that I have well, I'm more involved in criminal um, disappearance uh, in my past studies. But um, we're just really focusing on any area. We want to be able to um, bring guidelines for specific and different areas, not just for the city, not just for uh, uh, runaways uh, for example.
0: Right so do you come from like a policing lens then that you're wanting to help with uh, search radiuses or is it for um, a more broader audience in the sense that police uh, community organizations and researchers can use these findings from your spatial analysis?
1: Yeah well it's both it's sure that in research there's not a lot of Studies uh, that involve missing persons and spatial analysis, um, but uh, at in the end, it's sure that it'd be great with um, for police forces to use those kind of guidelines. And I, I, I'm working with them on like the other subject I was going to do was a serial arson, so I was um, working with police police forces to. Um, being able to like highlight some kind of profile for arsonists, for serial arsonists. So what are their motivations? What type of crime, of, crime scenes they target? Um, so this is pretty much, it's not like it's totally different. Missing persons is totally an all different uh, area. But I wanna kind of bring that kind of analysis, concrete analysis in that field. Cause I'm pretty sure, and I think that This could help in a criminal investigation.
0: Yeah definitely and I mean in missing persons research like you've talked about we're really just not there like we don't really have a understanding of the reality of missing persons right now so any type of advanced analysis that can help policing um, come up with search radiuses and more distinguished profiles will definitely help so I can see that being applicable absolutely so then you know, I kind of roped you into the podcast here because I was on a a panel with you on missing persons at the criminology consortium conference a couple of months Mm -hmm. ago. And you were talking there about work that you were doing on the typologies of missing persons. Is that still something that you're working on? Or is it kind of on the back burner? Like, where are you at with that project?
1: no it is um in fact the project that i presented at chromecon is really a part of a larger ongoing project that project that i'm talking about like the bigger project um we uh, use data for um that are accessible directly on the internet through databases such as factiva and erica um, these databases make it possible to obtain newspaper articles published throughout Canada, and we aim to collect um, data between 2005 and 2019, so we are still um, coding information found inside these paper articles, newspaper articles, sorry. Uh, we're currently working also on compiling new new newspapers articles, and we have more than 7,000 missing person cases, criminal and non-criminal. And that part, um, what I presented in CrimeCon, is going to be like kind of the first part of my dissertation. Oh. Um, yeah, so it's going to kind of be the first sphere that interests me, and I'll be able to get through that with some data that we currently have and those that I can hope that we obtain by then. But the goal is really to draw up kind of general profiles of missing persons, so a typology of missing person and to be able to establish also a prevalence based on these different profiles. Uh, so either it's both criminal or non criminal disappearances. Okay. So then for
0: the listeners that haven't um, either listened to the YouTube recording of that presentation or were at Mm -hmm. the presentation, could you tell us what that project's all about, you know, maybe your key findings and some of the analysis that you conducted for it?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, so as I said, it was a part of. It's a part of a larger ongoing project, uh, the one I just talked about. And the, the aim of this specific study that I presented at CrimeCon is to provide a better overview of missing person cases, and also to allow to better pinpoint case characteristics that could be used to help prioritization practices. Um, The sample that we studied is a really small part of all the data that we collected. Uh, Like I said, we are still coding those data, so we obtained results for 387 reported missing person cases between 2005 and 2019. Um, In fact, what we can see is that we get different classes of missing persons, and We have been able to create kind of a pre-typology because of course we're gonna continue to kind of update it and to be more precise with all of the other um, news that we're gonna code eventually (laughs) soon (laughs) I guess. Um, So we get four different classes of missing persons in Canada based on the data collected. The most common missing persons are men in almost 50% of the cases, whether we're talking about adult men with criminal record or men who have no criminal history or no marginalized lifestyle. So they do not um, use drugs, they have no mental health problem mentioned or they are not known to the police. Um, the The second largest group of missing persons is minors. Um, they are either referred to as repeat, repeated runaways or youth who have no history of being missing or no history of marginalized lifestyle. And finally, the last two classes of missing persons are very small. About 2% of the missing person reported in the media are individuals who, who disappear from a supervised government institution. So we're talking here about um, like elder, elderly or minors. And fin- finally, the last class of missing persons is adult women. These women um, would have substance abuse problems, but they have no mental health problems and would uh, would not be known to the police. And after identifying these different groups of missing persons, the goal was to target whether the investigation was resolved with whether the individual was found alive and what the nature of the disappearance was. And by looking at a specific group, for example, adult women reported missing, it was possible to know that most of these women were found dead, and that this disappearance was criminal in nature. Also, when we looked at um, adult men without a criminal or marginalized history, Um, they're most likely to be found lifeless, but there's still a lack of information to better contextualize these events. So we can't say if it's whether a criminal or non-criminal disappearance in those cases. And indeed,
0: oh, yeah. I was gonna say there, so this, just to clarify, this is um, from news reports that you're gathering this information, right?
1: Yeah, so we don't, we only have um, information that news, uh, that n- newspaper uh, are writing about, you know? So we don't have a lot of information. If you're, you're looking, for example, at runaway, Runaways, uh, we don't have a lot of information whether the uh, person is found or not mm-hmm. in the newspaper. And this is a huge problem for, for that kind of typology right now. So I think this is why it would be um, nice to kind of um, add police data also so we can just compare it do we have first of all what newspaper are um writing about on missing persons is this accurate with what police uh, are investigating or not um so yeah but indeed by knowing what type of disappearance is most likely to lead to a tragic outcome uh, it would be also possible to prioritize these cases to some uh, extent mm-hmm. and we don't if we like in newspaper we don't have all of the missing person cases of course but we know that some categories are more at risk than other um and this is why I'm, I'm, i think it would be really useful to just add me, uh, data police data to those uh, to those data that we currently have
0: yeah i mean in looking at media reports there's so many things you can do with it right like you can look at how the media frames the the missing persons report you can look at who's disproportionately or proportionately represented in the, the media so are more females reported missing by way of media are more males and stuff like that so when you look at um the media report and then maybe compare it like you were saying to the police data you can see if there's some type of bias in reporting or if there's some Cases that are more highlighted for maybe drama or another particular reason. Like um, in the last podcast, we had Larissa on. She was talking about how there's some type of gendered phenomenon with um, media reporting and that females, and obviously um, she also brought up that young children are more likely to be reported in missing persons appeals. So there's so much you can do in fact you know justine i think that even looking at the media reports themselves could be a whole dissertation not that i'm (laughs) giving you more work (laughs) to do but there's just a different like a bunch of different ways that that could be approached so there's definitely um there's definitely value there to look at that especially if you compare it back to police data or other statistics on missing persons in canada
1: (laughs) yeah definitely
0: so then um So you've kind of found these typologies and these types of groups in the uh, media reports. What was the kind of key findings from that? What were the implications that you took away from it?
1: Um, Well, you know, it's just that we were able to highlight some categories that are more at risk and should therefore be given priority since the outcome is more worrying. So um, it's possible to just highlight that. Uh, For example, like I said, missing women are most likely to be found uh, lifeless, so there, um, so like police should, I'm not saying should, but like you have to prioritize some of the, these cases to some extent. Mm-hmm. Um, and this could also lead to a project that we presented in the American Society of Criminology in 2019 in San Francisco. Uh, the project was just um, to present Canadian cases of missing pers- person that have been solved and that are still unsolved in order to just give preliminary, pre- pre- preliminary information on missing persons. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm kind of like right now um, working on the typology and that project on solved and also to just um, See, um, is there any uh, solvability factors that are involved? And what we saw on the first um, st- the study, well, that we presented at the, the conference in 2019, the results though that solvability rate seems to decrease as the time and distance of the last location where the victim had, be, had been seen increase. Mm. And also we observed that the last person in contact with the missing person appears to be an important factor of solvability. So now that we have the typology that I talked about uh, in CrimeCon, and we have some factors, solvability factors that are highlighted, we can try to mix uh, that those factors with the typology now, And but we are still looking For more factors right now but we um, and well as soon as we get to code more cases also for the typology is going to be really more um, grounded I I don't know if it makes sense like Hmm. concrete yeah Um, but yeah we're I'm kind of Still uh, moving forward with the typology, and now including some solvability factors also uh, to more highlight specific categories, specific classes of missing persons that are maybe more at risk um, of um, knowing a fatal outcome, whether if it's criminal or non-criminal disappearance.
0: Yeah, there's so much to unpack there, and it's great that you can talk about some of your preliminary findings. And I'm really excited to you know, personally, I'm really excited to see where this project goes. So definitely keep me in the loop on that. Um, I wanted to ask, so the criminality component has been brought up a couple of times. Um, what's the connection to, uh, miss- sorry, between missing persons and the criminality component? Um. Uh, on regard of what's been done now or just like generally? I guess both. So maybe in your research and then in, and your opinion. Um.
1: Well, most that, what's been done missing persons if we're looking at criminal disappearances, is really like um kind of um doing some profiles of like a stalker or um kidnapping persons also like just it's really just some profiles that had been uh studied with really a small sample um so i'm kind of uh yeah i want to talk about it but i like i I don't have an extended knowledge of all the study that had been done but what i'm looking at is really just uh, kind of exploratory studies there are not a lot of studies that go um beyond and just like explain what kind of profiles are, are more at risk and uh regarding to um if we're looking at uh well stalking kidnapping murder um sex crimes and murder also at the end um, so I think we have to do first of all we have to yeah establish a typology but we have to do some more in order to n- not just to um, study offenders but also all of the event in its uh, in situational context so we have to do more and not just look at what offender, uh, What their profiles, uh, what their socioeconomic level, uh, what do they, did they know the victim or not? We have to just take the um, event. And I'd say I don't like to say it, but like when the missing person, when the person goes missing, we have to take that event and just put it in context. And in criminology, it's really more um, kind of psychological studies that have been done on the offender,
0: Mm -hmm. more
1: than just uh, a more broad uh, aspect of missing
0: yeah i think that that's true for maybe missing persons more generally across canada i think we need to do some more qualitative research to start to understand all of the mechanisms contributing to missingness because it's so broad i mean it affects so many different regions um, across canada whether it's the communities whether it's institutions whether it's like you're bringing up the criminal justice system so qualitative information will definitely serve this research topic really well. Mm -hmm. Um, So in terms of criminal cases, we had kidnappings, we had sex crimes, we had uh, homicides or murders, as you said. So in terms of your own research, is criminality a major component of missing persons or would you say it's not so major? No,
1: um, it's not so major. Um, I'm just going to base what I'm going to say on the... uh, like the result that we have right now, exploratory result that we have uh, with the newspaper clipping and what I read. Um, but most of disappearance are most uh, are um, people who disappear while out in the wilderness, run away. Maybe uh, solved murder will be accountable for 15, 16% of missing persons cases that we have. But I, I'm really focusing on the solved murder because okay. Uh, we lack some information sometimes when, I, when we use newspaper clippings um, and really the first main reason why we decided to do the, the broad project that I'm talking about, it, um, because it would be interesting to put a, tot- a total number on missing person reports that end in a fatal outcome, knowing that not even 1% of missing person cases end in an homicide in UK study. And this percentage goes as high as 20% in some US studies. But in Canada, this number remains vague. And most of our knowledge of missing persons and its prevalence comes from uh, US and Europe. So this is why uh, we decided to do this. In in this line, it is appropriate to collect Canadian data and to obtain a more accurate and realistic picture of the investigation of missing persons in Canada. But no. uh, fatal fatal outcome or criminal disappearance are not like the most um com- common i'd say missing person cases but it, it happened
0: mm-hmm. that's good that you bring that up because um laura dr laura huey and i did a study the same with uh one uh, police services closed missing persons reports and we found that the reality of missing persons was really just more mundane it wasn't um that people were disappearing and being abducted or coming um coming or coming into harm it was more so that they were just late for curfew or forgot to text their mom and dad and were running late home so it was you know kind of good that we we did that study because it highlighted that maybe missing persons is just more of a common thing that um is experienced by many people but It's not this like blown out of proportion event for the most part. And of course, those cases do happen like you're you're bringing up, but um, we don't have to fear it necessarily. But yeah, I think like more information on that is much needed. And like you're saying, if if you're finding that pattern in your reports over on your side of the pond up in Quebec, (laughs) and I'm finding that down here in southwestern Ontario, you know, maybe there's more to it than that. Maybe we need to do broader outreach in terms of understanding missing persons and the the chance of harm and vulnerability associated with it. So that's definitely another good research project as well. so
1: yeah
0: yeah, there's so much to do right Yeah. yeah there's a lot of work to do but that's okay that's what we're here for right yeah so you've got your spatial analysis work and you've got your typologies work what's what's next like are you involved in any other projects that you want to talk about or is your dissertation kind of sticking with those two components
1: uh, my dissertation is sticking with those two components, and also um, the second sphere, well, the third sphere that I'm going to study is based on the different profiles of missing person, and the aim is to identify the characteristic between cases of criminal and non-criminal disappearances, as well as solvability factors. I brought that up a bit. I'm just getting involved in that area, so I just, I don't want to get too deep into it. Um, but I have a quick word. I don't have a lot to elaborate right now because it's kind of sudden, but uh, it will be possible to gradually, get, gradually see closer links between research and a Quebec organization um, murdered of missing persons family association. In a recent discussion with the general manager of the association, I will get involved. There's another meeting coming up soon, but I will get involved in the association, whether it is to um, some fundraising uh, action, but what is more interesting is that I'm gonna be involved also in writing research news and updates to keep the interested and um, community informed of those uh, of development that are happening in the field of missing persons research. Um, so that's pretty much what's going on right now uh, for me um, in the missing person research. Um, I'm also working, um, well, starting to work on, um, uh, yeah, okay, so I am almost interested in the response on social media through various networking platforms in relation with missing persons. Um, and I'll also like to get in touch with research and rescue teams. I'm really interested in all the spatial aspect in missing person cases and search missions, Um, but I'm still really just starting to dig into that and to dig into what's been done right now in uh, that kind of research. Very nice. Well,
0: you know what, if there's anyone listening that's interested in search and rescue, that's interested in spatial analysis, or that's interested in some more typologies work on missing persons, it sounds like Justine has her hands full with it and (laughs) would, you know, love to connect with you on that. Um, Okay, so then before I let you go, do you have any final calls
1: to action or final thoughts that you want to share with us? Uh, yeah, well, first thing being my dissertation, anyone interested to get involved, to share data, investigations data, it files, anything. We have some access, but the more the merrier, even though we have plenty of data, I will still like to compare what we have. Uh, contribution of data from police records would be a non-negligible, non-negligible source since several practical information is often um, omitted in newspaper article. Um, and when, last, lastly, um, anyone interested in what we're doing, interested to get involved, to share, to discuss about it, the best way to reach out to me would be through Twitter on by email. I don't know if all the information is available through the Missing Persons Research Hub or do you want me to Oh,
0: I'll definitely link it. I'll, okay. you know what I'll I'll do, I'll put a little uh, link to both your email and your Twitter in the blurb of the podcast so that everyone listening can link to that really easily. It's also on the hub, but instead I would just pop it in the blurb. <laughs> Make <Okay>. it easy. <laughs> great. Awesome. Well, that's great. Thank you, Justine, for coming on to talk to us today. I'm sure that we'll hear more about your research as things progress. And definitely, if you're willing to come back on the, the podcast, we'd love to have you. And uh, thanks for doing all the great work that you're involved in. Great. Thanks to you. Take care. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to the Missing Persons Research Hub podcast. Until next time.